We are talking travel, Sally Lucas and I. And Sally, when you go... It's a good idea to think about what can go wrong as well as all the things that are going to go right. I think so, Jane, and I think it's very, very important to be talking about this today because a lot of people do travel over the Christmas break. So we've got a lot of people out there on holidays and really we don't want anything to go wrong. It's the last thing you want to happen. But I mean, if unfortunately something does, particularly from a medical point of view, you must have adequate travel insurance. I cannot emphasise or stress that enough. So many people spend thousands on a holiday and don't spend that small amount of a couple of hundred dollars extra to ensure that they're covered whilst they're away. And it can mean anything from a disaster to, you know, tsunamis happen. It can be all sorts of things. It's, and this one is a health one written by a gentleman called Peter Watson. And he's called it a funny thing happened on the way to the Amazon. So he, he was heading that way, of course, and, and he was cruising. But whilst he was um, on land in St. Lucia, um, he had a sort of an attack, if you like, and uh, which they thought was a heart attack. And it turned out they thought to be angina or unstable angina. And anyhow, of course, he was he was rushed off to the hospital there and and he was monitored um, for four hours, and then they gave him the bad news that he wouldn't be getting back on the ship. Um, so, of course, you can imagine you'd be very distressed at this point in time on your holiday of a lifetime. And um, anyhow, then they had to speak to a cardiologist, and he confirmed that um, the diagnosis and said, look, all you can do really now is transfer to Martinique, which was a 35- or 30-minute flight away, way, where they had a cardio lab that could um, handle the angiogram procedure. So you can imagine everything's going through your head at this stage, what to do. So his wife rang the emergency assistance number that you are given when you take out travel insurance, and it was through to UK, and um, she talked with a gentleman there who they ended up finding out was the medical director of the particular insurance section, and um, he assured her, you know, of three things. Once, one was that they were definitely, um, you know, he were covered and that they would sort it out. And he backed up his words with actions and got everything sorted. Um, they booked air ambulance transfers. They had land ambulances set up at each end to get him to and fro. And then when they got there, um, this is day three. By the time they got to um, the the hospital in Martinique, and of course, then he had to wait because it was a long weekend before he could be properly properly um, tested for the angiogram on the Monday. This was on the Friday. Um, but anyhow, they, they did that and um, he thought he was going to have a 45-minute procedure, which ended up being a three-hour procedure and they ended up finding blockages. They had to put two stents in a coronary artery. Um, so it was a bit more complex than first thought. But luckily, if it hadn't been for the insurance company being so prompt and getting all this happen, um, you know, this gentleman, you know, may or may not have even survived and as he said okay you know he's missed out on his cruise but that you can do another time and he was covered by travel insurance so he's going to get recompensed anyway and also once he got discharged he was told he couldn't fly back to Australia for at least 15 days after his first episode so there's accommodation as well yes a, a week in Martinique um, as well. And then in the end, they had to fly via Paris and Doha to get home. And they travelled with a 24-hour rest stop in Paris and a doctor all the way. Now, all that was covered by their travel insurance. So this is really a good story to let people know how important it is. Um, We don't want these things to go wrong, but they can. And at least this gentleman, and he had worked previously in the past with airlines and travel industry. So obviously he's aware of the importance of travel insurance too. But he wanted to tell the story and also just to let people know it's important who you take your insurance out with, Jane, as well. Sometimes you get offered free insurance as a, as a little character 
carrot dangler to use your credit card and so on. And I'm not saying all companies, but I have had clients in the past that have had issues with trying to get claims processed. So if you do have the offer of the freebie insurance, make sure you get a full written copy of the policy and what it includes and excludes. It really is important. Now, as I said, they cannot thank this travel insurance company enough for what they did and how they handled the whole situation from go to woe. And they were just there for them 24-7 whenever they were required. So it's a very good story with a good outcome, but it may not have been that outcome if they hadn't had the correct travel insurance. So please, everybody, if you're travelling at all and you haven't taken out your insurance yet, please do so. We are talking travel thanks to our sponsor, Travel World on King. And when we come back, we're going to look at a rather fun place, or it sounds an interesting place to visit. Travelling from St Lucia and Martinique all the way to the Russian east coast couldn't be more different if it tried. I would say. From it must tropical- be pretty cool there. Oh, I'd say extremely cool in more ways than one, by the sounds of it. Um, we have talked about this before, Jane, you and I, and um, about the Russian Far East, I mean, and how it's a new area of cruising. But I just thought we'd talk about it again today because um, recently a, a Sydney Morning Herald um, journalist was a guest of Aurora Expeditions and wrote an article on her um, journey into this area, which she's just called Wildlife and Wild Weather. Um, and she sort of paddles with otters and all sorts of wonderful things on the, this voyage but she said yeah, if nothing else it, it's uh, not unpredictable but there's no roads into the Kamchatka Peninsula at all the only way in is by boat or plane and um, as you fly in she said you've got wonderful snow tip volcanoes you know that are c- break through the clouds and just absolutely fantastic and there's only one road links the airport to Petropavlovsk which is the town you come into and it's a town of blockish apartments she says stripped of paint by wind and rain and until 1990 it was a military zone off limits to foreigners and even to Russians without special permission I can just picture it. Can't you? It's that like out of a James Bond movie, don't you think? It would be perfect. Um, so these days, of course, it, it, it's a, a bit of a metropolis still, and um, they've got, you know, workaday wharves and everything happening there. And, of course, Aurora Expedition's base there, their vessel there, which is a Russian-built ba- um, icebreaker, of course. And they do a res- it's a research vessel-turned-cruise ship, but it's not, as we've said before, a cruise ship in the real terms. It is an expedition vessel. They're fairly basic. Um, you've got the you know basic comforts, of course, but you're well fed and well looked after, but it's certainly not a luxury cruise ship. And like their other vessels, they only take about 54 passengers, so it's very much like a big family. And you travel, um, I guess, through these Kuril Islands, which is a string of islands between Kamchatka and Hokkaido in Japan. And of course, that's a subject of a territorial dispute between Russia and Japan. And the Kuril Islands are studded with active volcanoes and which of course are home to a dizzying, dizzying, she says, array of wildlife, riddled with abandoned bunkers and also very vulnerable to typhoons they found out later in the voyage, but they survived that as well. Um, so yes, it's the academic Shakalsky is the name of, of the vessel and it was um, built as an ice-breaking research ship in 1982 and it, as I said, it carries 54 passengers plus crew and staff. Now it's a 13-day voyage, this particular voyage and um, you do have um, some cabins have got private en suite, but most are, are shared facilities, etc. Um, and it's really a real expedition voyage. And apparently the Australian in charge uh, said at the outset, we're on this ship to get off. I think that's a good way of putting it. So you're not on there for the ship. You're on there to get off on your Zodiacs every day or 
kayaks. Of course, you have that kayaking option to go exploring. And of course, you have to have the gum boots, which they provide, and they always have to be washed. And so you're not taking anything ashore, you know, or bringing anything back. It's always very, very important about that. Um, and you're getting to see this wonderful part of the world that you really, no one else has hardly ever seen. So you've got uh, the kayaks, as I said, are quite a fun way of doing things and you get heaps closer to the wildlife um, that has an extra cost of course to do the kayaking option and you don't go out there of course if the weather's bad obviously they won't you know put you at risk at all and you've got these wonderful strong handsome Russian men on these boats that the mountaineers grip and make sure they get you on and off kayaks and zodiacs very very safely um, so that you have these wonderful bird life there as well apparently these kittiwakes swarm in their thousands you know screaming and shrieking and as a peregrine circles above them for a meal they're just said ex- ex- you know experiencing all this wonderful wildlife and then the otters she said were just amazing dozens of them were floating on their backs with paws wagging at the sky and they looked as though they should have beer bottles resting on their bellies but instead it was where the mothers rest their babies so that would have been quite beautiful to see I've just got that in my mind's eye Um, and hunters slaughtered the otters almost to extinction for their thick fur until the early 20th century but um, anyhow this particular clan let them come quite close by and and they kept diving and popping up around them as they were kayaking around and of course you've got um, the sea lions of course as well and which are just fantastic and of course then you get a a call from the ship every now and again, orcas to starboard. And, of course, you've got see the wonderful whales that you're going to see as well. So it's just another fantastic part of the world, like the Antarctic and the Arctic, but this Russian Kuril Islands area between, as we say, Russia and Japan is certainly um, a very different part of the world for people to see if you're wanting to do a cruise like an expedition-type cruising. You can fly with Korean Airlines, by the way. They've got a fairly good fare from Sydney to Vladivostok, and from there um, you go to, well, onto Seoul and then onto Vladivostok, of course. You actually have a night in Seoul at the airline's expense because the connection isn't a same-day connection and then you go on then to Vladivostok and from there you fly with Vladivostok Air to Petropavlovsk um, and join your cruise vessel. So just something very different I thought and was worth, it's an interesting article if anyone wants to Google the Sydney Morning Herald and look this article up, I've only quoted bits and pieces to you today and the girl's name was Louise Schwarzkopf and she travelled courtesy of Aurora Expeditions who are just going into so many new and different areas of cruising for us to explore. So there are some wonderful options out there if you also want to look at the Aurora Expeditions website as well. You never know what's going to be on offer, so just go in, talk to your travel agent, and remember the travel insurance, most important. Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thank you, Jane. And we'll be talking travel again next Friday after the 1 o'clock news on 2NURFM.